everybody. Welcome back to the Space News Pod Live Show. Hope you're having a fantastic day. I did my first NASA call today. I didn't get a question in. They didn't have time for me. But there's news. Amazing news. Amazing news from NASA. We're sending something to Titan. We're sending a probe to Titan. This probe will be measuring everything that it can. It's going to be a helicopter. A freaking space helicopter is going to the moon Titan. How crazy is that? Let me get a little bit more information here for you. I had this tab pulled up in a couple seconds ago, but I closed it down for some reason. I don't know why. Maybe it's a government conspiracy. Maybe they're out to get me. <clears throat> That's a lie. <laughs> they would love it. They would love it if I were to show this off. So the cool thing is, NASA's Dragonfly space helicopter. What's up, Brian? Is going to be looking on Titan for the origins or signs of life. I was on the call. I was during the, it was during the uh, the press conference where they showed it off at about four o'clock today. I got on the phone call with NASA afterwards, listened to a bunch of smart people talk about a bunch of smart things. Basically what it comes down to is they have a really cool space helicopter. It uses the same power source as the Curiosity Rover. It's a nuclear power source. It's going to last about eight years on the surface of Titan. Well, the power source is going to land about or last about eight years. It's going to be, yeah, Brian, it's going to be uh, a space helicopter. <laughs> That's the easiest way to put it. It's a rover. So you know how we send rovers to Mars and other planets. Instead of sending a rover, they're sending basically a drone, an autonomous drone to Saturn's moon of Titan. They're launching it in 2026, and it will land in 2034. It's going to send back high-quality photos, which they're going to be able to stitch together and make videos from. It's going to be flying over the surface of Titan, of that world. How crazy is that? That's insane, man. Never once in my life did I ever say, hey, I wish that there was a space helicopter on Titan. I never even thought we should go to Titan, to be honest with you. I was thinking more like Europa, Enceladus, someplace where we could find, you know, find life under the surface. But apparently we're going to Titan, going to that crazy place. So this helicopter, it's going to be landing why Titan? Um, well, the reason was they want to measure 
because it's never been done before for one that was the their major reason like hey let's do the hardest thing we can we know what titan is kind of it's full of methane like it doesn't rain water on titan it rains methane and the, the good thing about this mission is that it's not going to land during the rainy season so there's seasons on titan too it's going to be landing kind of in the summer-ish on Titan. Um, so what they what they want to do is search for life on Titan. I was close, Blake. I know. I know. I was hoping, man. I was really hoping. I know. I was I was pretty stoked when I heard it was Titan, but I was also like, wait, what? Titan? That's crazy. But Apparently, Titan's really cool, and I haven't really researched it that much, but I, during the press conference today, I was, I was pretty blown away by how cool it actually is. Um, it, it's not going to be habitable by us. It's negative 300 degrees there. Everything freezes. Um, actually, during the press conference, one of the things that they said, uh, somebody asked, hey, if, if we're going to be sending something to Titan, how do we know that the stuff that we send there isn't going to bring our own microbes to the planet or to the moon? One of the NASA scientists said, because it's negative 300 degrees there <laughs> and it would just freeze. I want to do a follow-up um, and ask about tardigrades because tardigrades can land or can live through pretty much everything. If it's negative 300 degrees on Titan, Maybe a tardigrade could get on board these NASA ships, but they also bake the ship parts. They, yeah, the water bears, exactly. They bake some of the ships. They, you know, they do everything that they can in order to kill everything possible on these ships before they send them out into space. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to get everything. There's not going to be samples bringing back now. It's not a sample return mission, unfortunately, but they do have a science lab in the new uh, space flying helicopter, Dragonfly. That's what it's called. There are decontamination bays. Yes, yes, there are. But the thing is, um, there's always stuff, right? So there's always, there's always going to be stuff. They're going to do as much as they can. And they even said during the press conference, they're like, we can't get it all. You know, there's no way we can get everything because we can't see everything. You know, the, the instruments they have can read like 99.999% of things that could be stowed away. But there's a possibility that there is going to be something because they, they always have to rule that there's going to be something. You know, it's just science. They can't get everything perfectly 100%. So hopefully they don't send anything to Titan and screw it up. I think they're going to be fine, though. But they're going to be looking for life up there. Now, the cool thing is, since this is a helicopter, that they can use the, uh, the rotors of this helicopter as well to, like, stir up the sand. Because they're going to be landing kind of in a sand dune in the equator. So in, around the equator, I, apparently there's a bunch of sand dunes. It's like a desert all the way around the equator. I didn't know any of this stuff before today. R literally, like I wasn't really interested in Titan, but now 
kind of changing my tune. It seems pretty cool. So apparently there's like a desert that wraps around this place in the equator area. Simple fact that we are a planet that can sustain life. It would be impossible to not spread life. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know, there's just stuff. There's stuff everywhere. And that's basically what the scientists said. Hey, we can't get it all. We don't know everything that, uh, you know, that's everywhere, basically. You know, they can do everything they can to smash it out of there and fry it off and freeze it off and decontaminate. Ah, thanks, Tim. That's awesome. How far is Titan from us? Let's figure out exactly how far it's going to be when they launch. I'm going to do a little bit of research here. See if, uh, let's see. Let me do a little bit of research for you. Okay, there we go. So, uh, it's a moon of Saturn, by the way, if you weren't aware. Titan is about 759,000 miles from Saturn. So it's kind of close, but also pretty far away from Saturn. Saturn is about... Um, 886 million miles from the sun, 9.5 AUs. And one AU is the distance between the sun and the earth. And it takes light from the sun, 80 minutes to reach Titan. <laughs> so it's really far away. It's really, really far away. So um, also it's really, it's kind of far away from Saturn, to be honest with you. Let me make sure this is right. Uh, at the closest, okay, I was kind of, I was kind of okay. Um, I thought at 800 million miles away. So I was going to say, yeah, 800 million miles away to Saturn. Um, and that the closest is 200 or 746 million miles. So that's about the same as, you know, around the same distance to Titan. It's just a Titan, yeah. Just one. Just one moon for now. But this thing is really cool. So let me send you let me send you this picture. If you have a chance to look at the chat real quick. So check that out. So that thing is the helicopter. Going to have eight rotors. It's basically a drone. Like how we have drones on Earth here. So we have autonomous drones. I have a drone and I can pretty much fly it at, with my phone. Right? I can just send it off, do whatever it's going to do, all autonomously. I can say, okay, do these things. I guess it's not autonomous because I, I gave it a thing to do. But 
a drone like this. is the one that's going to tighten is going to be pretty large it's not you know it's not like the size of a toy drone i'm not exactly sure how big it's going to be they they had a scale model to it so i'm just kind of giving you the rundown of what i know of it hey thanks for those likes man i appreciate that so this thing's going to be autonomous. They're going to be able to land this helicopter, this drone-like, it has eight propellers. It's going to land on the surface of Titan. Thanks for those likes, Tim. And when it gets there, it will autonomously lift off, autonomously fly. It'll be scanning its surroundings at all times, to see what a good flight path is, to see where to land. Now, Titan, from what I know, has a very thick atmosphere. So thick that you won't be able to see Saturn through the atmosphere. But the scientists said, oh, never say never, kind of. You know, we probably won't be able to see through the thick atmosphere of Titan to see Saturn even though it's only 800,000 miles away. So if that's the case, they do have a giant, well, not giant, I guess it's the size of, uh, let's just say, I'm holding my arms out here in front of me. It's about the size of a large pizza, maybe a little bit bigger. There's an, an antenna that's going to be on this drone and it'll be sending signals back to earth. It'll be sending data, information, back to Earth. And when it sends this data back to Earth, it's going to be sending it, um, they're going to be able to get, I think it's an image every three minutes when they take a picture image every three minutes, somewhere around there. So we're going to be getting data almost immediately when it lands. You might need to go listen to it, Tim. I'm not exactly sure. I don't have all of the information available to me at this point. I'm still kind of wrapping my head around this. Um, Let's see. Titan is an analog to the very early Earth and can provide clues to how life may have risen on our planet during its 2.7-year baseline mission. Dragonfly will explore diverse environments for, from organic dunes to the floor of an impact crater where liquid water and complex organic materials key to life once existed together for possibly tens of thousands of years. This is the press release, by the way. Its instruments will study how far prebiotic chemistry may have progressed... Um, they also will investigate the moon's atmospheric and surface properties and its subsurface ocean and liquid reservoirs. Additionally, instruments will search for chemical evidence of past or uh, extant life. Um, I'm going to post this 
on my regular podcast, Tim. So it'll be available to you on the, any, any regular platform. You can also go to um, spacenewspod.com and check that out where you can uh, download it. Sorry. And so this is, um, <laughs> it's kind of funny. The, uh, I was on a tech support chat before I started this and I was like, they're never going to get back to me. It's been like an hour since I sent my last chat. <laughs> Thanks Blake. Thanks for those four likes. I appreciate it. And they finally got back to me. So they're interrupting my podcast right now. Those little bastards. See you later chat. Okay. So there we go. Life gets in the way sometimes. Just saying. Um, so, Tim, if you search for Space News Pod on any podcast platform, you'll find my regular podcast. I'm going to upload this for later. Um, I'll probably upload it later tonight. Um, it's not going to be available right away. So it's going to take me uploading it because there's a little bit of editing I have to do to it to cut down on the, on the uh, initial launch of this thing. So um, NASA administration, Administrator Jim Bridenstine said, with the Dragonfly mission, NASA will once again do what no one else can do. Uh, visiting this mysterious ocean world could revolutionize what we know about life in the universe. This cutting-edge mission would have been unthinkable even just a few years ago, but we're now ready for Dragonfly's amazing flight. So basically, they're doing it because they can do it, I think. I think they have enough evidence from Cassini's missions. They're showing that, hey, this place looks pretty cool. We should check it out. Maybe there's life there. So that's the whole, like, the whole big idea here is there might be life on Titan. They're going to check out life is a thing. They're going to check out organic materials, um, Water, liquid water. It's negative 300 degrees there, though. That's what doesn't really, uh, what really kind of makes me weirded out by this, is that it's so cold. Yeah. It's so far from the sun that its surface temperature is around 290 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. And its surface pressure is also 50% higher than Earth's. Titan is larger than the planet Mercury and is the second largest moon in our solar system. That's crazy. Titan is unlike any other place in the solar system and Dragonfly is like no other mission. They're basically doing it because I guess it's different. It's new, right? So they want to do something that's never been done before. It's NASA. They should be doing these kind of things. They should be taking chances. Why not, right? If we have the technology that can do it, why wouldn't we send a flying helicopter to a moon of Saturn? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, because there's water there, exactly. Because it's we're going to get some cool science from it. Yes. Yep. Exactly, Tim. Deep water underneath. Maybe there's some vents. Maybe that's where some otherworldly bacteria who knows maybe there's some single cell organisms under there there could be life on this crazy moon i mean 
Yeah, Tim, exactly. It's it's where life is on our planet. Life's everywhere on our planet, which is kind of crazy. Wherever there's water, basically there's life. So if there's water here and there's like, you know, some vents underneath the ocean and it's really, really scorchingly hot by those vents and there's still life there, why couldn't there be life on this other moon that's getting tugged around by the gravity of Saturn? So maybe the life on that planet has adapted to live with methane, with so much methane. You know, we don't know. We've never experienced anything like that before. And it's possible that, you know, below the surface where those vents are, that something has figured out a way to live there. I mean, we figured out a way to kind of live on this environment. To other things, possibly, the Earth is so hostile that they can't live here. So if you think about it like that, if you, if you put it into perspective, like something from another planet comes to Earth and it's hostile. What's the biggest challenges of living on Titan? Uh, it's super cold. It's made of all sorts of crazy material. There's so much methane you can't breathe. <laughs> like you would just die, basically. If you Once you get to the surface, you just die. Like you, you just get to... <laughs> Uh, there's no, I mean, unless you had a crazy spacecraft that could survive through all that methane. Actually, that's what they did. They, thank you, Eric, for that cup of coffee. Um, they have designed this craft to last initially for a couple years on Titan. They've designed it to withstand the pressures and the methane because there's methane in the environment so much that it's crazy. And, you know, of course, we would die if we went there. But this craft, on the other hand, it's doing its thing. It'll, it'll last for a while. Methane is fuel. So what happens? There's so much methane on that world. What happens if some, what if this thing blows up? I never thought about that. Does it ignite the, does it ignite Titan? Does it ignite the atmosphere? What's going on on Titan? I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on Titan, so I'm not sure. I'm going to try to get somebody who is an expert on Titan. Needs oxygen. Oh, yeah. Good call. Zero gravity containment. Uh, you know, I was... <laughs> the attack on Titan. <laughs> yeah, who... I mean, I would love to get somebody on the program... Uh, a NASA scientist that could explain this more doing an AMA on Reddit soon. So um, I'm going to reach out to them and see if they have anybody available that would be able to talk for a couple minutes about, you know, like what's going on on Titan, why we're going there. Um, but now I'm kind of, I just literally today got into like the cool kid club, which is for me, like, this is kind of cool. I got to, I didn't get to ask any questions during the press conference, but I got to be there and listen to it. So I was like with all the cool people from NASA. I get to sit at the uh, the head cool guy table. <laughs> there were people from like CNN and, you know, like ABC News and like real, real guys that are real reporters asking 
hard questions for these NASA scientists. And I'm sitting there in the corner, just listening to it, freaking out. I'm geeking out. I'm fanning out. Dude, I know. I know. Like, how cool is that? For me, I'm a, I'm a space nerd, like from when I was a little kid. So just being on the same phone call with these scientists that are explaining things, these things to me, I'm just a normal dude. Um, crazy questions today. Let's see. There weren't any super crazy questions. Uh, they were pretty standard. None of them really had to do with like, no one freaked out. No one said like what I would say, I would say, okay, so you're telling me you're sending a row. A, a, okay. Let me get this right. So you're telling me you're sending an autonomous drone ship an autonomous helicopter to Titan. Whose idea was that? And can I talk to that person? Because I think you're awesome, whoever you are. I want to talk to that person. <laughs> whoever, like the initial idea of like, no, let's not send a rover. Let's send a, a drone helicopter. Yeah, it's probably, it's probably like a brainstorm meeting, you know? Like how, how do you come up with that idea? And who, who says like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Let's get some funding. <laughs> Bob Lazar. I listened to that. Uh, most of that podcast the other day. Space nerd, as far as you can remember. Yeah. See, that's the thing. I don't remember a time when I wasn't infatuated with looking up in space in the moon and everything about everything up there. The Bob Lazar podcast was pretty good. It's different than the other crazy alien people podcast, you know? Like Bob seemed like, like he's just a dude that just happened to have this cool job. And that's why everybody is so, like why he seems so believable compared to the other kind of whack jobs that are out there. Oh, the other people are, have you seen his wiki? No, I haven't. I haven't really dug deep into it. Um, I want to watch his Netflix documentary. Let me take a quick look at Bob Lazar's wiki. Let's, let's do a deep dive. Let's take a look-see. Bob Lazar, American UFO conspiracy theorist. Claims. In May 1989, Lazar appeared in an interview with investigative reporter George Knapp on Las Vegas TV station KLAS under the pseudonym, uh, pseudonym Dennis and with his face hidden to discuss his purported employment at S4, a subsidiary facility he claimed exists near United States Air Force facility Area 51. He said the facility was adjacent to Papoose Lake, which is located south of the main Area 51 facility at Groom Lake. The site consisted of concealed aircraft hangars built into a mountainside. Lazar said that his job was to help with the reverse engineering of one of nine flying saucers. In a subsequent interview that November, Lazar appeared unmasked and under his own name. 
Lazar claims that propulsion of the studied vehicle was fueled by atomic element 150115 um, or E115. Lazar explained that E115 generates a gravity wave. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> and night. Okay, so <laughs> sorry, Bob Lazar. We got to do this deep dive for you. Uh, legal problems in 1990. In 1990, Lazar was arrested for aiding and abetting a prostitution ring. This was reduced to felony pandering, to which he pleaded guilty. He was ordered to do 150 hours of community service, stay away from brothels, and undergo psychotherapy. During trial and under oath, Lazar again claimed degrees from MIT and Caltech. Lazar claims he earned a master's degree in physics from MIT and a master's degree in electronic technology from uh, Caltech. However, there are no records of Lazar attending either MIT or Caltech. Furthermore, Lazar was not a member of a uh, professional body. Lazar speculates that his academic records were erased in an effort by authorities to discredit him. Whoo! Okay. Wow. See, when I listened to the podcast, <clears throat> when I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast the other day, I was, uh, I was, I was okay with it. He seemed like an okay guy. And now that I looked at the wiki, um, the whole deleting his past thing, it's a big conspiracy, a big cover up, you know, who knows? He could be telling the truth, but for all intents and purposes, people that usually have their past erased, quote, erased, um, aren't really reliable people when it comes to statistics and uh, alien abductions and alien technology. <laughs> so, you know, I will watch the documentary on Netflix for sure. I will definitely do that. I'm sure it paints him in a really good light, which is probably the best thing that could happen to him. Yeah, Josh, I agree with you. One piece of alien technology. Why hasn't there been anybody that's done anything like that? Just one. I think uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson said something like grab an ashtray. If once you get, you know, once you get abducted, like grab an ashtray, grab something, grab a, grab something off the spaceship, which I totally agree with. Just, grab something. It doesn't matter what it is. Yeah, we need to get opinions from everybody about the hollow earth theory. <laughs> oh my. I haven't heard about that one. That sounds crazy. The hollow earth theory. Okay, let's look at the let's look this one up real quick. Hollow earth theory. Hollow earth. Oh no. Oh no. This one's this sounds sketchy. The hollow earth was a concept proposing that the earth is entirely hollow or contains a substantial interior space, notably suggested by Edmund Haley in the late 17th century. The notion was tentatively disproved in 1740 and definitely by Charles Hutton in 1774. So it was still occasionally defended through the mid 19th century, not only by 
uh, John Sims Jr. and Jeremiah Reynolds, but by this time was part of popular pseudoscience and no longer a scientifically viable hypothesis. So is this where, like, all the lizard people live? <laughs> and the Nazis and the lizards all live. <laughs> it's possible. You know, it's possible people still believe. I, people do believe this stuff, don't they? Do people still really believe that, that Nazis and lizard people exist in this, the core of the earth? No way. I'm not real. Like, I don't really watch that stuff. I don't look into that kind of pseudoscience stuff. Probable? No. It's possible. Anything is possible. I mean, wouldn't it be easier for a, for a Nazi to live above ground and just like hide out someplace? Right? Yeah. I mean, we weren't going to go to Titan a couple years ago because we didn't have the autonomous vehicle um, technology. Right? So that was a couple years ago. Autonomous vehicles are all over the place now. Autonomous drums are everywhere. Autonomous cars, autonomous drones, autonomous planes, autonomous electric planes are coming soon, too. I was reading an article the other day. I have to look it up again, but um, I believe the Department of Defense and some private corporation are making electric planes, like actual electric planes that people will be able to fly themselves. That's crazy. So why do people, I don't, I don't really get it. Like why I conspiracy theories are fun, right? So you, you think, that possibly, okay, something could happen. You know, some conspiracies, you know, it's possible. Something's possible, like people living in caves under the ground. That's possible. But a subterranean world in the center of our world, like, that's cool. How cool would that be if you just kind of, you stumbled upon a cave and you slip, you know, like, it's like one of those stories, like you slide down the cave and then all of a sudden you're in another world where it's dinosaurs and lizard people and, and Nazis. <laughs> like, come on, like lizard people and Nazis live subterraneanly together. I think we'd know about that by now. It's not like we'd be you know, all afraid of it. You ever heard about NASA sending a drone to the next closest star by slingshot around the sun? Real or conspiracy? I've never heard of that. If they did, that would be, they should announce that. I mean, there's no reason why they wouldn't announce that. That's pretty crazy. An Indiana Jones film, right? Right? That's what I'm saying. Quarter the speed of light. Holy cow. That's pretty fast. If we had that sort of technology, I think they'd be using it for science missions, too. 
you know? I don't think they'd be sending people to Mars for X amount of months. They'd be sending them there for X amount of days. That's the trip would be, a, you know, a couple of days as opposed to a couple of months. Do I have better sources than the layman? Um, <laughs> can I deep dive it? Uh, let me check. Let me take a look. I don't even know what the, what it's called. Okay, let's see. Let's let's take a look. Let's take a look. Listen to my keyboard. This is it's like uh, it's soothing to your ears. My mechanical keyboard. It's a Corsair. Um, NASA sends probe to nearest sun. Parker Solar Probe, that's the one that's at our sun. Uh, let's see. Your sun, origami. <laughs> now what if we do? Uh, Let's see. I don't find anything. Probe to near, uh, it would be to Alpha Centauri. Okay, $100 million plan will send probes to the nearest star. I heard about this one. Yuri Milner, uh, Russian entrepreneur Yuri Milner, uh, breakthrough star shot, aims to send probes to Alpha Centauri. This is the one that I've heard about. This is in Scientific American, so it is a legit source. Um, I've actually, I did a podcast about this a really long time ago, which really long time ago was probably what? Yeah. A couple years ago. Yeah. 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 So this is cool. Um, let's see, what are they going to, I can't remember what it, but it's going to be a really small probe <clears throat> and I believe they're going to use light sails. Let me take a quick, a nano craft. Yep. Um, they're going to cram a bunch of sensors cameras, maneuvering thrusters, and communications equipment into a tiny gram-scale nano-craft. So it's going to be really tiny, like handheld, basically. And then they're going to be, they're going to try to use light sail technology, and they're going to use a ground-based kilometer-scale laser array capable of beaming 100 gigawatt laser pulses through the atmosphere for a few minutes at a time, and atoms-thin meter-wide light sails. Um, to ride these beams to other stars. Each pinging photon of light would impart a slight momentum to the sail in its cargo. In the microgravity vacuum of space, the torrent of photons unleashed by a gigawatt-class laser would rapidly push a nanocraft to relativistic speeds. Uh, let's see. Deployed by the thousands from a mothership. They're going to have a mothership. Launched into Earth orbit, each nanocraft would unfurl a light sail and catch a laser pulse to accelerate to 20% the speed of light, or 60,000 kilometers per second, using a sophisticated adaptive optic system. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, all these words are great. I mean, it sounds like an awesome idea. I don't think it actually, if they, I don't think they actually did anything with it, though. Not yet. but I believe they're still working on it, as far as I remember.
Yeah, Breakthrough Starshot is definitely um, one of those things where you you look at it and you go, really? Well, the science seems okay because they're just using photons. They're using the things that a regular light cell uses anyway, right? Using photons from the sun to push a regular light cell, like the um, Planetary Society light cell that's out there already. So if, they're, if they can beam photons at another light cell, like a concentrated photon beam towards these light cells, I don't see why it wouldn't be possible and keyhole around the sun to speed up. That's possible too, slingshot it. Slingshot it around a couple planets, you know, grab a little bit of their gravity and shoot it off into the distance for a little bit more, uh, a little bit more speed. That would be really cool. Um, yeah, that's, that's something to look into a little bit. So, on that note, my partners at, <clears throat> excuse me, at um, MagellanTV.com, if you're interested in science programming of any kind and you like documentaries, go to MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod for two months for free. Any sort of science documentary you could ever think of. It's really awesome. I'm watching documentaries about black holes right now terrifyingly crazy and you can watch them on any device anytime anywhere two months for free magellantv.com slash space news pod thank you so much josh that's awesome that should be the one thank you for that link and you get two months for free 1500 premier documentaries or premium documentaries and then after your two months of the freebie is over it's as little as 4.99 a month so check those guys out. There's no ads, no interruptions, HD content, new content added all the time. So MagellanTV.com slash Space News Pod. Yeah, it's cool, man. Um, I was actually, to be honest with you, I was looking for um, a source of documentaries, like space documentaries that didn't suck. You know, because there's a lot of them on YouTube that are kind of, they're okay. Or they're old documentaries that are, you know, they're just like stretched. You know, they're like a weird, weird perspective or something, or they'll slow them down or speed them up or whatever. So like the quality isn't that good. And I used to watch those things, you know, before I went to bed and I was like, these are just garbage. I don't want this stuff. And then, you know where I found Magellan? Um, there's a, there's a YouTube channel called space rip and space rip, um, had a link to Magellan because I thought their documentary was good. So I was like, Oh cool. I'll check that out. Hey, thanks for those likes guys. I appreciate that. Um, so I checked that out and then I went to Magellan and I was like, Holy cow, these guys are great. So I looked them over, checked out a bunch of trailers and stuff, contacted them and said, you know, um, I want to work with you guys. You guys are doing really cool stuff. So we started to work together and they're just good people all around and have, you know, great content. So I'm happy to support them and I'm happy that they support me. So, and I'm happy you guys are supporting them too, because it's worth it for those guys. But on that note, I've got to take off as usual. I always have plans at the end of these things to do some science stuff, 
right, to do some science Q&A kind of stuff. But time ran out today. I had a bunch of other stuff I was doing, and I have to run downtown, of course. I have to run my dad downtown. He's uh, a little bit older. He's almost 80 years old, so I help him out, run him downtown. I will – oh, the um, – Oh, the GoFundMe? Dude, Blake, thank you, by the way. That's amazing. Amazing. I don't even know what to say, to be honest with you. Uh, let me get a link to that real quick. Here we go. This isn't even full yet. Like I said yesterday, I was like, okay, so this is my... I'm making a trip to Florida in November. November 15th is going to be the launch of SpaceX's rocket to the International Space Station with a crew on it. Um, <laughs> well, thank you even more then. Thank you even more then. Uh, so I'm going to Florida for this launch. Uh, I, like I said today, I just got in with the Cool Kid crew. So I have my foot in the door and you know, one way or another I'll get down there and I'll do this and I'm working my butt off to get it to be an actual thing. So if you're interested, my GoFundMe is right there. There's a link to it. You can live vicariously through me. Exactly, Blake. You can live vicariously through my trip. I'm going to be going from New York State, traveling south through all the states from New York to Florida, and I'll make sure to uh, vlog about it every day, do a podcast every day, um, also maybe write in an actual blog about it or on Twitter, at least about it. So you guys can follow, um, follow the trip through Josh. It's going to be about, so this, I, I put up on my GoFundMe about $2,000 for the trip, which seems like a lot of money. And when I kind of broke it down, I'm going to be living in a tent <laughs> for most of the trip. No, no, it's only like a 20, 21, 22 hour trip, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be cheap motels, stuff like that. And I'm fine with it. Like I'm not, I'm a grown up. I'm cool with it. Whatever. I've, I've been through worse. Fuel is expensive. I have to rent a car because I'm not going to drive my car down there. My car has 230,000 miles on it. It's a Subaru Outback a 2006. So it's like, it's on its last leg, you know, so it's, it's not going to make it. So I got to rent a car, which isn't going to be too expensive. It's going to be about 300 for a week. Um, so that's not too bad. And then there's the other, of course, the other costs, which are insurance or whatever for it. Um, so, you know, 300 a week for that, plus all the other stuff that goes along with it whether it be buying a new camera, which I don't really plan on buying a new camera. I have a GoPro. I have a regular phone. I have a, a backup phone, you know, that kind of thing. So I think I have enough cameras and I have good mics and I have good, like I have a laptop and stuff. So I should be good with equipment. Uh, but there's other, of course, there's other stuff. Right there. Well, if you're part of the press, there's not a cost to go into the launch area. If you're part of the press, which I'm really working hard to get into. You got to know the right people, kiss the right baby, shake the, the most hands kind of thing and like get in there and be professional about it. So what I do have on my side is I have a friend who is a, uh, he's a producer and a uh, editor for a bunch of TV shows. He's a filmer too. 
So I have my own camera crew and I have my own editor to go with me. He already signed on. I asked him uh, about a week ago if he could go with me or if he wanted to go with me. I was like, dude, you know, if you want to go see a rocket launch, cause he's never seen one. And he's one of my best friends from when I was since, you know, since whenever. Need to get those decals made, right? Yeah. I got to make some stickers and t-shirts and stuff. Maybe make a little bit extra revenue so I can stay, uh, maybe not in a tent, but maybe in a roach motel. <laughs> maybe, I'll, maybe I'll rent a camper. My sister has a camper. Maybe I'll rent a truck and bring the camper down with me. That would be fun. Um, but yeah, there's ways to do it on the cheap. Um, and I'm going to do it as cheap as possible, you know, pack sandwiches, all that stuff. But like I said, my GoFundMe is out there. Um, it's, it's going to be really fun. I haven't traveled this far in a really long time. So it's going to be a, a process for me to do all this stuff. There's the GoFundMe again. Um, but yeah, it's, I've gotten a pretty good reception to it so far. People, people are willing to help out. Thank you for those likes. All the stars, by the way, stars help too. If if you have stars and you don't have anything to give to uh, the GoFundMe, you know, hey, thanks, Josh or Joseph, for that applause. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, anything counts, to be honest with you. You got me on some gas money? Dude, I appreciate that. That's going to be tough. Shit, I thought that. <laughs> Josh, I thought, well, I just saw those uh, champagne glasses. Thanks for that, by the way, Josh. Uh, I saw those champagne glass and I was like, why are there like nude legs on my screen? It looks like two, two like legs. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So it's <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. Drumsticks. Exactly. I was like, what are these chicken drumsticks doing on my, on my screen here? Dude. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. But yeah, everybody that's, uh, let's listen to this now. If you're just listening to it, and you're not donating, you're still doing a huge part. And also if you go to uh, spacenewspod.com or if you want to download the regular episodes too, I have short episodes every day, like five to 10 minute episodes, quick space clips. Uh, those really help too, because I have advertising on there and you just listen to like a 30 second advertisement before the show starts. And uh, that helps out a little bit every single day. So I'm not saying to, um, you know, that you don't, you don't have to do that. You can listen to these live ones all you want. So that's fun. But every single, you know, every listen to those things, do I have a five, nine to five? Nope. This is it. This is it. I'm, I'm a pseudo burnt out web developer. <laughs> Just put it that way. I'm burnt out, man. I've been doing web development for 15 years and the last couple of years, man, I was just, I couldn't deal it. I couldn't do it anymore. So, um, I just, something about it just didn't strike me as fun anymore. And I had a little bit of money in the bank and I said, okay, I'm going to try this space thing out. Let's try it on a podcast and see how it works out. I'm not here to get rich. I'm just here to spread the love of science and space and enjoy myself doing it, you know, figure out something new to do. Blake, I'm glad I did too, man. Thank you. Um, because the, I think this sort of, uh, this sort of topic really needed, it, there's a niche to fill and that's like somebody to hang out with and talk about nerdy stuff with just a normal person. 
you know, somebody who is, might not be smarter than everybody. I'm not as educated. You know, I educate myself with a lot of this stuff, but the whole idea behind it is like, Hey, I'm just one of you guys, you know, I'm just one of you guys. I I'll learn as I go along like everybody else out there. And luckily I put myself in a position where I could just say, okay, screw it. I'm going to do this now because web development was really good to me for the last couple of years. And, uh, I'm, I'm definitely in a position where I can take a little bit of time and pursue this because I think it's important for everybody to be in a position where they can get the most out of this that they can. And I want to give as much as I can to it as much as I can to everybody else out there. So signing up for Magellan helps, you know, um, the GoFundMe helps and also stars, applauses, chicken legs, wine glasses, champagne glasses, all that stuff really helps. So, um, I want to say, uh, just another thank you to everybody. And I got to take off. I got to, like I said before, I got to take my dad downtown, got to help the guy out, give him, get him down to the store. I think he's actually going to buy some chicken legs tonight. So that's prime. <laughs> that's prime chicken leg material right there. Oh, thanks Blake for that applause. I appreciate it, man. So I'm going to say thank you for taking the time out of your day to spend it here on the space news pod live. You are all amazing. And I will see you tomorrow, everybody. Have a good night. Ram Power Days is going on now with our most powerful lineup of trucks ever. Hurry in and don't just feel the power, own it. Right now, get 2.9% financing for 72 months on the 2022 Ram 1500 Bighorn Crew Cab. Don't miss this great offer. 2.9% APR financing for 72 months equals 15.15 per month per 1,000 financed for well-qualified buyers through Chrysler Capital, regardless of down payment. Not all buyers will qualify. See dealer for details. Offer ends 10:31-2022. Hear that? That's the sound of a patient whose health data is protected from a cyber attack. And that? That's the sound of a financial system that's digitally secured from bad actors. Right now, there's an invisible war being fought on a digital battlefield that impacts what we do every day. That's why at Paraton, we do the can't be done to help protect the vital systems we rely on. Because if we don't, the alternative is unimaginable. Paraton.